Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. Infuse into our hearts your gifts of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, your perfect peace, your perfect joy, and the gift of final perseverance to the end that one day we would praise you forever in heaven. We ask this all in Jesus' name through the heart of Mary. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Good to be back with you. I hope you enjoyed that rosary yesterday. Uh, just a little footnote. Keep um, praying for the Holy Father. He's got this respiratory issue that's been ailing him. He also has been canceling all of his uh, scheduled excursions, and so he's not doing well. And we, as always, we should always be praying for not just his health, but for his, uh, his holy death. We always pray for the holy death of everyone. Um, I prayed that for Benedict as well. Don't take it as a slight. And that everybody would die a holy death and, and be escorted home to heaven. Today, we have a very special guest. Father Michael Hartley is a priest from uh, the parish of St. Rita's down in Santa Rosa, Florida on 30A. He's in town giving a mission to St. Catherine's Parish uh, here in Columbia. And tonight is night three. And welcome, Father Michael. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's been It's been a good trip so far. A little, little chilly for Florida boy, but... Yes, he showed up in Birkenstocks, and now he's wearing uh, boots <laughs> because it's been in the 20s here, uh, which is unusual for us. I mean, it's not even December, so it's a little colder than normal, but um, still beautiful, sunny day here. And so far, this whole uh, mission started with your emphasis on the power and the unique graces that come through baptism so for the people who didn't come to the mission why don't you give us a little bit about an overview of that um that what you believe to be true there yeah yeah it, it really it comes from my own experience for the most part and then now as a priest for almost eight years uh, the witness and experience of of the people at the parish where um if we believe you know that baptism has any power at all if we believe that we are the church that has the gift of the eucharist you know all these great gifts we've been given in the, in the sacraments you know why do we not see you know the power of the spirit lived out in the world around us you know why is our culture able to have such a strong effect on us rather than us having an effect on our culture and so for me and then again reflecting on my own life you know it it really comes from this disconnection with with what happens at our baptism and, and really grasping that well in our heart and in our mind in our body you know in our soul that there's something missing and it's not grace you know the lord's given us the graces at that at our baptism um, to to be holy you know to be the men and women that he he needs us to be for for the culture for the world you know every era that's had dark moments which has been every era <laughs> there's been these great saints that have risen up and how did they do that because they responded like our lady you know with um with an openness to the father's will and a desire to do the father's will and none of the saints had something extra that we don't have you know none of them did and i think that's something I, that the people of god today you know really struggle with there's this lack of belief that they have what it takes you know there's a you know maybe a doubt in in 
God's goodness and his mercy and his and his gifts that he pours upon us um, to be who we're called to be. Um, so that's a, you know, a big part of my, my own preaching and everything. I, I'm constantly trying to remind people that, you know, they, the saints, the great saints, the greatest of saints are not different than you. You have the graces of your baptism, of your confirmation. Um, you know, if you're taking advantage of confession um, and the Eucharist as often as you can, you know, those, those are the things that, that we are given to live out our baptism. You know, they, when we're, when we're, when the old self, you know, tries to come back over the new creation in baptism, you know, that's what confession's for, to heal us. And then the Eucharist, you know, strengthens our resolve and, and to, to fight sin in our life. But ultimately, um, it should be growing this desire for prayer, desire to be virtuous, you know, and to really affect the people in our lives, you know, that God's place in our lives. And so that's been um, what I've been talking about for the most part. You know, we're, we're in a, pl- a place right now in the world where there's a lot of, a lot of craziness. You know, there's war, there's... Uh, disunity, you know, in the world, in politics, but also even in the church, you know, mm-hmm. we see um, a much need for, for prayer all around, um, but especially, you know, even in, in, in Holy Mother Church to pray for our, her leaders and to pray for the Holy Father. And um, but then to pray and, and believe um, that we can do what the Father's asking us to do in our own individual lives. Um, it's important. And so, yeah, I talked about that the first night, you know, just that we have all kinds of things around us, and the church has tried to respond over the last few decades with programs and with uh, different, you know, different types of things. And different lay people, lay ministries have have risen up to try to respond to, you know, why aren't people going to church, or why are so many people not believing in the Eucharist, um, the real presence of Jesus there in the Eucharist, um, you know, why are divorce rates still, you know, going, you know, so high, you know, all, why are the kids not coming you know, to youth group or, you know, wanting to come to church? You know, is it the type of liturgy? Is it the, you know, bad programming? What is it? Um, and to me, again, it just points back to this disconnection. You know, do we believe in our our baptism? You know, do we believe that we were washed clean from original sin? Do we believe that we are truly adopted through Jesus Christ to the Father, and we, do we believe that we're heirs of the kingdom of heaven? Um, you know, those are all the things we we believe in our teachings of, of what baptism is. And if we have that, you know, why are we not becoming the saints that we're called to be? Um, so I'm, I'm really just trying to encourage people to know and trust. You know, the Father's telling you now. He <laughs> went through me, you know, through uh, whatever, through the scriptures that he loves you and he has mercy on your, you know, your fallenness, but, um, he lifts you up from that, from that mess and from the dust. And he, he wants you to become holy. You know, that I love that. I think that's one of the greatest trademarks of St. John Paul the second, you know, is that he really reminded the people, you know, that holiness is not just for the, the priests and the nuns. Um, and you've seen how often that doesn't really happen anyway. Um, holiness is for all of us. It's for mom and dad. It's for grandparents. It's for uncles and aunts, you know, it's for, it's for the youth, and we've seen, you know, praise God, we've got some really awesome young people that have, you know, are on the path to sanctity, um, you know, like Blessed Carlos and yeah. you know, St. Gianna and mm-hmm. some great examples for our, our young people to look up to, to know that um, there's also no age that restricts us from becoming holy. <laughs> um, so you made an interesting point that I, I think a lot of people haven't considered is, is that the church does recognize these moments in time when things don't seem to be going as well as they should. And for whatever reason, there's things that uh, pop up, new programs, new, um, I don't know what you'd call them, the Amazing Parish, the Dynamic Catholic, the uh, Exodus 90, all these ways to help instill virtue Mm -hmm. and get people to come back to their first love, which is to God. Um, But then you said, 
I just want to let you know that in the first century, there were none of these programs. <laughs> and in fact, Exodus 90 was the way they lived every day. That was their life. They didn't have the comforts we have. I would say something even further that um, I don't know who said this, but there's a saint who said the church is never stronger than when she's persecuted. And that's probably good news because the persecution is at the doorstep. We can see it coming. And that means the church will get stronger and the church will thrive. It always thrives through these times of tribulation and comes out brighter and stronger after she goes through them. Um, that doesn't make people feel particularly comfortable, but that's the reality. And if you look at the churches like Smyrna in the early uh, church, you know, it was through these very things where the church got very strong. So, um, and I'm not saying these programs are bad. We do Exodus 90 here. You know, we become so soft as a people. It's good to go back to a little self-imposed penance because we just don't, We our life is too easy. Life is just too easy. You know, two billion people live without homes and running water. Two billion out of, I think this close to eight billion now. So that's almost a quarter of the people on the planet don't have a shelter, a roof over their head and running water. And, and water you can drink. They have to go find it. We never even think of that because we wake up, the heat's on, it's blowing, the, the house is a comfortable 71 degrees, the hot water comes out of the tap, the shower is comfortably you know, warm. But we should realize all these comforts, you know, they don't have to be here forever. You know, it, it would take just a small blink and many of these things could be removed. It happens every time we lose the power here which happens frequently because the, the, the lines go down so quickly and then suddenly your house has no heat, no air conditioning, no running water because there's pumps that pump the water. The toilet bowls flush once and then they're done until the power comes back. I mean, all these things just go boop, gone. Yep. And then you realize, oh, wow. So to make coffee, I'm going to have to go outside and turn on the grill and boil water with the propane. I mean, it's very different, you know. And when we, when we force ourselves to take a cold shower to stop watching TV for 90 days, to stop drinking alcohol for 90 days. I mean, you come out of that 90 days like you're a new person, right? But then we tend to slide back in. Well, certainly the showers come back quickly for most people because nobody, I mean, in Florida, you probably have warm water that comes out of your your cold water anyway. I mean, for, <laughs> you know, it's to, to uh, whatever you're used to, you know, because it, right. um, it's cold to us. It's cold to you, <laughs> yes. Here... Uh, we're not so bad as New York, but when you get up another 200 miles north, the pipes freeze if there's no heat in the house. So the water is ice. But it's pretty cold today here. Um, and, you know, when we think about, like you mentioned, all the saints from most of history, um, their daily life was so different. I always say this to people. It's harder to be a good Christian today probably than any other time in history because of the distractions of this culture, because of the internet, because of the social media platforms that are feeding us sin. Like we're just daily digesting it through all these mediums. And, uh, you know, it, the days where you woke up by the sun and you went and did your work out in the field and then at sunset you had dinner and went to bed, like that might sound boring, but that was, it was a lot easier to commune with God when you're just listening to nature all day and not YouTube and whoever else. So I think it is harder today to 
to take that time for silence and solitude because it's really not promoted or the culture really isn't a big fan of silence and solitude. They want to be blaring things at you all day, trying to convince you of all the things you need to be happy, uh, which is really just a big lie. So if you are pursuing holiness, you have to carve out time every day to pray in in a way that's silent and salt. You mentioned last night the phone, the uh, divine office on the phone. I also use the breviary because mm-hmm. I sit in the church and I, I just, <laughs> when I'm sitting before the Blessed Sacrament and I know there's people that wa- they watch the priests. They do. I mean, I know it ha- they want to know what I'm doing, how I'm praying, what I'm, what Ravina am I doing. And if I'm sitting there looking at my phone, it gives me the, it gives people the impression I'm like, no, I'm ignoring Jesus. Yeah. Because they don't know. You're I'm looking, looking at, at looking the app. Looking at scores. Or looking yeah. At... <laughs> which, which can happen. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can be playing, you're, you're praying and all of a sudden, the little bubble comes at the top of the screen about, you know, the Clemson game or whatever. And you're like, oh, and you just click it. And suddenly you're not praying. You're looking at scores of football. So um, it, it is harder. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. It's harder. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, and we have so much comfort. What, what was the line you said? Um, Jesus isn't calling you to go home, to go, go home on your cat. What is it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, um, I was kind of kind of. I like to be silly and funny. To I think people, you know, maybe listen a little bit better when, um, when it's something said like that. But yeah, you know, Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to comfort. Um, he's 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 calling us to holiness. And um, so I just kind of mentioned, you know, he's not calling us to to come home <laughs> and sit on the couch with a remote, um, which is is pretty much I would say the norm for a lot of people. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. um, it is. So we're we are so close to Advent, um, days away. I would say, you know, Sunday it kicks it off. It's a very short Advent. This is a 22 day. So it's ridiculously short. You're gonna have to make an effort to, if you want to come out at Christmas holier and more prepared to have Jesus received in your heart in a in a profound way. You're gonna have to carve out time. You're gonna have to carve out time to pray. You're going to have to carve out time to do good works. I mean, people don't think of Advent as a penitential season. I think of it as more penitential than Lent because I know from religious life, we suffered so much more during Advent. And, you know, it, it is it is a small penance, I would say, compared to the Lenten penances. But in reality, for me, I know it was always much greater, and, and I never understood it till one day a priest, an old priest, said to me, he found the same experience, and he said, I think it's because Christmas is such a more universal holiday in the in the world that God um, can use graces of the people who are offering their lives to Him to save souls uh, in a in a in a greater way during the Christmas season because it's it's just accepted by everybody, whereas Easter is more of a, a religious holiday holy day but they're all holy days for us but they're also holidays for the world but christmas is much greater than in the eyes of the world than easter and so we always found that the um the crosses got bigger and heavier during advent and you know we always then realized that when we have we did a lot of retreat work and we always saw the most profound conversions during the advent season going into christmas and then this great celebration would happen so if you want to be one of these people that God's calling to sainthood, we're all being called, but you know, you have to get up and and participate and cooperate with the graces, then this is a great season to uh, be different than the world. And I'm not saying you can't shop 
your Christmas gifts. You, you, I'm not saying you shouldn't make your Christmas cookies and all that. But be balanced, you know? Virtue lies in the middle. Don't become a crazy person trying to get your your season completely around the, the, the worldly view of Christmas. And please send a Christmas card that has the Holy Family on it. Do not send me a picture of yourself. Uh, I think you're lovely people. And I'm sure you're beautiful, and you're, I'm sure your dogs are beautiful, and your your kids. You, you can stick that inside the card, but th- this is his birthday, you know? Wouldn't it be weird for um, if on your birthday people sent out pictures of themselves to you? I mean, it would be just so weird. So, like, really think of it. If, you know, if you really want to be authentically Catholic, send a Christmas card to somebody that has the, the Holy Family on it that celebrates Jesus, and uh, you can stuff your personal photo inside the card any thoughts about advent yeah we was it's interesting that you brought up that comparison with with easter and and advent because even the even the seasons reflect like a different um like state you know like you we we enter into advent when it's cold and there's even some like music talks about that like the bleak midwinter you know that's like um you know the time of the year is just is a different time and then easter is in the spring where it's you know beautiful and new life and um, so even the, the 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 seasons help us enter into that kind of more yeah. penitential time. Um, but yeah, and I don't know, maybe for some people, uh, just Santa makes more sense than the Easter Bunny. I don't know. <laughs> but um, as far as being a big, it's definitely a bigger holiday. But um, you know, Advent's always been a great a great season uh, for me. And it, I, I think when you're younger, I think it also just is a lot more. Um, it makes more sense, like the the preparation state. Like Lent, we're preparing for the Passion and the Resurrection, and but when you're a kid, and there's there's all you know, there's so much going on with Christmas time. Um, there's no school, you know. It's like there's a lot of right things that give you time to 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 think about things like that. And they have like the Advent calendars and the wreath. My mom still, from a wreath I made when I was in fourth grade, like still puts it out every year. It's like this ugly. <laughs> um, it's got like pine cones and stuff in it but she loves you know replacing the candles every year and putting it out um you know so it is yeah it is a season that i yeah just like any season we can either enter in or we can you know do what we want you know in, yeah. in our selfishness but um you always benefit so much more when you put in um the effort to mm-hmm. really reflect on these mysteries you know the world you know was doomed and then the savior is born to us like that's amazing thing to, to think and pray about mm-hmm. like do we ever do we ever take the time to sit and be like what would i do if mary you know didn't say yes and jesus wasn't born and we were still waiting. i don't think we'd we be here still, yeah. the world would have long been over yeah we just couldn't have done any it would be would be just too dark it would have imploded um the uh you know right after uh, right before Christmas is the winter solstice, so the days start getting begin to get longer once again. Really, just about when Jesus enters uh, the world in his birth, and so there's a lot of symbolism there too. That now the light begins expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Vatican for decades always decorated Saint Peter's with uh, the yellow forsythia flowers, which really don't know they don't bloom until like April May, but they must force them the florists. And it was always a sign, like the spring is now here, even though it technically wasn't. But the church seasons are always still a little bit different. And uh, I don't know if we still do that uh, currently, but I remember for years, uh, I was always like amazed when I'd watch that liturgy. You know, you'd see all those yellow flowers all around the church because and, and, they do represent spring in, in the flower world. Mm-hmm. But you're a big uh, football fan. 
at least college, but everything. Yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I have, um, you know, just like with fishing, I have my, my saltwater guys and I have my freshwater guys, you know, we, so football, I have my college, you know, people who love college football and then I have, uh, my NFL guys, <laughs> so, uh-huh. but mostly in the South, you know, we, we pretty much like both on, yeah. all the time. So, so I had this, um, I was praying one day and I had this image, which I'm not a big football uh, fan. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I played it, you know, in high school um, before, but I guess when I got busy, I just fell away to the side, just like other things. But um, anyway, I'm praying in adoration one day and the Lord gives me this analogy of um, like sort of like he's quarterbacking and he gives you the ball and then what are you going to do? You know, like if you look at some people, you watch a game, like we just watched the game the other night. Um, some people have a gift and they just can weave through uh, the defense and they go all the way down and score a touchdown. And other people, they get blocked right away and the play's over. Some people don't get off the bench. And like, this is, I, I, th- I know what he was doing. He's like, give me this analogy. Like, I'm giving you, like what you said, all the graces I'm handing to you. This football is representative. Like, here's everything. Go, 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 go. Let's see what you can do. And are you the guy who's going to make the touchdown and win? And that would be heaven. Or are you, are you sitting on the bench just like happy to be sitting on the bench? Like, I'm just here to, I'm part of the team. Yay. I think there's a lot of Catholics that are like that. I'm just part of the team. I'm happy doing, you know, over here watching everything from the sideline, that's not the vocation. That's not your vocation to be on the sideline. Just like, you know, a sh- safest place for a ship is in the harbor, but ships aren't made for the harbor. They're made to cross the ocean. So like, if you want to engage your vocation, you've got to get off the bench. You've got to get up, you've got to get out there. And it's not just physically, you know, prayer is work. If people ever tell you prayer is easy, they're not praying. But it's pray- it even says it, you know, prayer is difficult. So if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Because things that are easy, everybody does. But if, if it's not easy, it takes effort. It takes discipline. Discipline is the word where disciple comes from. And it, it takes uh, perseverance. And so if you don't have those things, then back up a step and start asking God for discipline and perseverance. Because you got to be a person of prayer. The prayer has to come first. And then you move out on mission. That's the way Our Lady did it. First she received um, by the power of the Spirit, she received Jesus, and then she went on mission to Elizabeth. It wasn't the other way around. T- too often people want to just rush out there without being filled up by the grace, and then that's really just work. It's not ministry if you're not involving God. But you all know this. You've been listening for years. Final thoughts. We have two minutes. Yeah, I mean, just off of that, um, it reminded me of one of my favorite kind of modern time quotes and and somebody that you know, and there are plenty, a lot of people who create these programs, like the priests that did Exodus 90. And um, when I asked that question of, you know, you know, where where are the great saints that the Lord rises up and, you know, in difficult times in each era? And I think, you know, they're it. But we also need to realize that we're it, too. Um, but one of my favorite quotes that has kind of come around from a good author, uh, Dr. Ralph Martin, um, that he, he when he looks at the church and the members of the church, so kind of just the people sitting on the bench on the sideline, you know, not in the game. Um, he has this this comment of, um, you know, if we're aiming, a lot of us are aiming for purgatory. You know, we Catholics, we believe Terrible in purgatory. Terrible idea. If you, and then he says, if you're, if you're aiming for purgatory and you miss, <laughs> um, 
you're going to be in trouble. But, you know, we should all be aiming for heaven. We should all be looking at that end zone, um, you know, with excitement and, again, perseverance, discipline. And you know, that's those are the things that are going to get us there. Um, but, again, too many of us are aiming, you know, hoping for purgatory and just kind of letting it be what it is, but rather than having their eyes on heaven. No. If you, you know, the, literally one of the definitions of sin is to miss the mark. Mm-hmm. If you miss the mark on purgatory, <laughs> that's an eternal damnation. You don't shoot for purgatory. That's crazy. You have to shoot for heaven. At least if you miss that mark, you're going to fall into purgatory. But if you're aiming for purgatory, you are pay- playing fast and loose with your soul. You just you can't do that. That's that's so dangerous. You've got to shoot for the. You want to be the best. Who wants to be mediocre? That's crazy. Don't be mediocre. That's lukewarm. Jesus spits those people out. You want to be, even when you fail, if you're if you're firing all cylinders, God's going to be very pleased with you for trying, you know, and you might not. I remember there was a saint. She was just like the patron saint of failure. Every single thing the Lord asked her to do, she did it and nothing happened until she died. And then everything became fruitful. She, but she planted the seeds. And like sometimes that's all God's asking you to do. But you got to be doing it. Like even if it doesn't look like it's working, if he's asking you to do it, you just do it and you trust he's got a plan for how it will blossom. That's about it for today. Thank you for tuning in. Will you give us your blessing, Father? Absolutely. Um, Almighty God, ask your blessing upon your children, all the listeners and um, this community here on uh, Maria Radio. May you continue to fill them with your peace. May you inspire their hearts and may the gospel forever um, guide them and, and lead them to your son, Jesus. And may your blessing be upon them now and always, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father. This is Father Dan signing out. Thank you so much for listening to the Radio Maria podcasts. It's thanks to listeners like you who donate that enable us to continue delivering quality content to listeners around the world. If you'd like to contribute and help us keep spreading the message of Our Lady's Son, please consider making a donation. You can reach us at 888-408-0201 or simply visit our donations tab on our website at radiomaria.us. Your generosity truly makes a difference. This has been a Radio Maria production.